Blog Talk Radio. Found in paperback, sporting a five-star rating on Amazon.com. The Keys and Moon, M-A-U-N-107.com proudly present to you the Health Tip of the Day. Well, today's Healthy Tip features wheat germ. Wheat germ combats colon cancer, prevents constipation, it lowers cholesterol, it helps stop strokes, it improves digestion, and it's packed with concentrated amounts of protein, fiber, vitamin E, iron, folate, and unsaturated oils. That's your healthy tip for today, and be advised, it is recommended that you always consult your doctor before administering any treatments. Your hostess, Sister Rafika Muhammad. Welcome, welcome to another happy evening. We've got some great, um, we have a great guest for you tonight with the most exciting topic that covers areas in education and instruction for parents, children, teachers, administrators, and it's just a, a good old concept for learning. But before we do that, I just want to remind everybody here that that all of our shows are archived, and you can download the Blog Talk app on your smart device or take us with you anywhere, anytime. And this show is brought to you by our featured sponsor, The Fluff Present the Alphabet, now available on Kindle and on thefluffffamily.com. And today we highlight the education and entertainment keys in the pursuit of opening doors to endless possibilities with Kevin Ikem Dunn, the founder and CEO of Puzzles for Us. And before we begin, let me give out the call-out number. It's area code 213-943-3618. That's area code 213-943-3618. And if you want to speak to Kevin, make sure you press the number one, otherwise the engineer won't know that you want to talk and just kind of keep you there on hold. Well, welcome to the Keys 107. This topic is near and dear to me as a teacher and a mother who was and is always looking for teaching tools to use and suggest to friends and colleagues. It's so exciting to know that there's a teaching tool that has turned learning into fun. Please join me in welcoming Kevin Ikem Dunn, otherwise known as the Puzzle Guy. Kevin, are you there? Yes, I am. Good evening. Greetings well, welcome to the Keys. audience. Well, thank you yes. for having me. I'm so excited, Kevin. I know we have a lot to talk about. Um, we before sure we get do. To, before we get to all of that stuff that we've been talking about on the phone between yesterday and today, let's just jump right into a little bit of your background and let our listeners know um, where you're from, how you got started. We're in front of how I got Okay. Um, I'm from New York, born and raised in New York, uh, living in New York for the majority of my life, and still do. Um, currently, I reside in the Bronx. Um, how I got started? Wow. 
You know, I, I tell folks that, you know, the idea was pretty much a lifetime in the making. You know, the idea came to me about 20 years ago, but it took me about half of that amount of time to actually do something with it. And you know how, like, a lot of us do. You know, we have a great idea. You know, we tell other people about it, but we, we just sit on it. You know, and I just didn't really know how it gets, gets um, they really know, I didn't really know how to start. But mm-hmm. it grew, the idea grew out essentially, I, you know, my love and passion for words. You know, I grew up playing games like Scrabble, um, Hangman, you know, you know, just a lot, a, lot, a lot of fun stuff for words. And then later on, you know, I started doing some poetry, some spoken word. And I had the passion for history and so on and so forth. So just a fusion of all those different elements that came together, you know, about six, seven years ago into the Puzzles for a series. And so that's pretty much how I got started. Wow. I also have a love for words. I used to read the dictionary when I was a, a youngster. <laughs> okay. But, you know, um, I want to come back to that because um, understanding how the the importance of words is definitely the essence of all of the puzzles, whether it's the Sudoku or the um, word searches or the um, crossword puzzles. Right. But, um, we were talking yesterday about teachers are always looking for elements or let's say the surprise factor or what we used to call the hook in, in, in the lesson plan that will grab the student. And and we're using education terms now, but this is basically how people teach. You look for something that's going to grab the attention of the potential learner. And right. um, we were talking yesterday about movies and how movies and also current events can be used as teaching tools. Now, we know that the movie Django is out. And it's got a lot of buzz in many different areas um, of different conversations, different opinions, different thoughts. And although it's a fiction movie, we know that it is based on the element of slavery, which is a fact. So how how could you take a movie such as Django that young people, old people, or people of all ages are listening to, and take that and turn it into a learning tool with one of your puzzles? What would be the process? Okay, you know, and that's exactly the kind of stuff I do. I always have my ear out, you know, my eyes open, and I'm always on the lookout for stuff that's of interest, you know, because you're right, you know, whatever can, whatever engages folks, you know, because a big part of learning is just, you know, holding someone's attention, you know, coming up with material and information that's interesting, that's able to hold their attention. You know, I go into a lot of schools, I, you know, I talk to a lot of youngsters, and, you know, so a movie like Django, what it does, it creates, you know, conversation, creates dialogue. You know, because slavery is a touchy subject. Yes, you know, it is. Um, a very, very touchy, you know, we're we, we very sensitive, you know, to the, the, the whole enslavement process, you know. And, you know, I need to say to, you know, um, you know, that, you know, something, you know, we didn't volunteer to be slaves. You know, it's, it's something that happened to us collectively as a people, you know, and we're still living with the after effects of slavery even at this late date. 2013. I mean, you know, um, one of the, the people who I admire, who, whose work I admire, is Dr. Joy DeGru. Mm-hmm. And, you know, um, she's a social worker out of Oakland, California. And, you know, for the you know, past decade or so, she's been going around the country, actually all over the world, lecturing on this whole notion of post-traumatic slave syndrome. And essentially what she said is that, you know, we never received no healing, no therapy. I mean, after going through the brutal process of enslavement, you know, we didn't get therapy. One day, you know, all of a sudden, one one moment we're enslaved with all that entailed, and the next moment we were told that we were free. 
you know, um, you know, and with all that that entailed, and you know, and so from going to zero to sixty like that without any kind of like you know um, process to, to to kind of prepare us for what lay ahead to help us to deal with the trauma that we experienced during the process of enslavement. I mean, it's a big thing, you know. So you know, to fast forward to the present, you know, so when the issue of slavery comes up, a lot of the images that we have are images of like the happy slave. You know, the slave, you know, that didn't rock the boat, and so on and so forth. You know, and most of, you know, a lot of the times these are contrived images. These well, are well, not Kevin, let me just interrupt when, let me interrupt when you talked about the image. Um, right. Not only did you have the happy slave, but you also had the um, the submissive, non, non-combative slave. And I think uh, Jenga exactly. sort of turned that around a bit to let people exactly. know that not every slave gave in. There was a lot of rebellion Exactly, and you know, right. And see, I haven't seen the movie, so I can't really speak to it. But from what I know, from in my research, and you know, and from one of some of the stuff I um, highlight in my puzzle books, you know, the maroon communities, you know, here in in, in the United States, and then even abroad in countries like Brazil, um, all up and down the Caribbean, in Jamaica, you know, the maroon community down in Florida, the Seminoles, you know, um, and the wars that were, you know, fought against them. You know, I just picked up a book earlier today. I was looking through it in preparation for this interview, The Black West by William Lauren Katz. You know, he has a whole chapter in the, on the expansion, you know, the, 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 the Western frontier and how, like, a lot of African Americans of formerly enslaved Africans, you know, were actually used, you know, to, to break ground in this new territory. Even folks like the Buffalo Soldiers. I mean, so we have a, you know, we have a, a, a long-standing history of resistance. I mean, from David Walker to Nat Turner to the Maroon communities here in the states. And we, we, when we were talking yesterday, I mentioned the movie Sankofa, and also the movie Quilombo that you said mm-hmm. that you saw that was one of your favorite movies. And that, the setting for that movie takes place down in Brazil, where mm-hmm. um, the people that was enslaved, the Africans who were enslaved there, they were resisting against the Portuguese. You know, but it was the same story where they fled up into the mountains, they formed their own self-contained communities, you know, um, you know, or had their own, you know, um, um, leadership, you know, and did okay, you know, for hundreds of years and, and fought back, you know, and resisted slavery on every, on all levels. I mean, so, yeah, we have a long-standing history of resistance, you know, collectively and individually. So what would be the process that you would use to bring about those elements that you just talked about um from let's just take the movie um, Django, and and you take elements from that movie and you create a puzzle. Now, what's the process? Okay, well, one of the things I would do first, I may go back since that's a work of fiction. You know, I would go back and find you know real live counterparts, you know, to those characters in the movie. You know, mm-hmm. so for example, you know, like I know among the Seminoles, you've had there was a chief named um, John Horse. You know, who was one of the, the African American leaders who had married, married into the Seminole Nation down in Florida, Florida, and he became one of their, you know, um, uh, um, most famous leaders. So I would start with people, personalities like him, you know, um, people like Deadwood Dick or, or Nat Love, um, Cherokee Bill, you know, um, these were living legends, you know, around the late 1800s, you know, early 19, um, um, 1900s, you know, these were actually real personalities. You know, um, so I would start and maybe do a puzzles around them, you know, and to flesh out their character. Like, who were they, these people? What did they do? What were their claim to fame? You know, um, 
You know, I also maybe incorporate elements again of the maroon communities. You know, um, the maroon communities in Florida, the maroon communities out west, and who were some of the leading figures. You know, um, that spearhead these communities. And I will weave that together into a puzzle. And you know, from that we will have a dialogue, like what what it meant to be enslaved. You know, what it meant. You know, um, to be separated from your families. What did that actually mean? What did that look like? What did that feel like? And what would be a modern-day counterpart to it? You know, there's another great book called um, um, The New Jim Crow, um, Colorblindness in the Age of Obamanism, and it's by a sister named Michelle Alexander. And what she does, you know, I mean, she she, she said, well, there's more people, there's more African Americans in prison today than there were enslaved in 1850. You know, and that's deep when you think about it. You know, yes. so what what would the you know slavery what does slavery look like today? Because you know you know prison you know um, when you get arrested and convicted of a crime you become a slave of the state or the slave of the government and that's according to the Thirteenth Amendment. It says slavery or involuntary servitude should be abolished except as punishment for a crime of which the person has been duly convicted. You know, so when you're punished and convicted for a crime, then technically you become a slave. You reduce back to a, a level of servitude, you know, and you forfeit all whatever rights you may have had, you know, so-called rights you may have had on the Constitution. You lose those, you know. So there's a modern-day counterpart. So if I create a puzzle, you know, it would kind of like bring into play those two elements, you know, the, the then and the now, that how they say sometimes the more things change, the more they stay the same. You know, it's just been given a facelift. But we still have a lot of the same challenges that we face during enslavement. We're facing it now with the criminal justice system, you know, with the stop and frisk, with the racial profiling, you know, um, you know, we a lot of many of our youngsters are treated as fugitives, you know, just from hanging outside. You know, what I mean, so I can go on and on, but that's kind of like you know, mm-hmm. the 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 way so, I was approaching initially. So you would you would definitely research the historical elements of a current event. Or, or an entertainment piece. And so I, I think that you just answered a question I had in my mind to ask you, which was, um, you know, to, to tell me what makes your puzzles different from other puzzles. Okay, one of the things is that they're, they're fun, they're educational, and it's more than just a puzzle. You know, sometimes I get questions, they say, well, I could just go to, like, you know, the one of these discount stores and pick a puzzle. I say, yeah, but you won't get the history you won't get the stories. You won't get the narratives. Like my puzzle books, you know, when when you open the puzzle book, like I, one of the books, in search of yourself, explorations into the black experience. That's for like the older kids and the adults. You know, I say like from maybe twelve to 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 ninety. You know, anybody that loves puzzles, that you know, they can do this book. But I have puzzles in there like on the Statue of Liberty. You know, and not just the Statue of Liberty. One of the pictures in the book. It's from the Schomburg Library, and it shows an early draft that the guy who designed, the French um, architect that designed the Statue of Liberty, these are one of the early drawings of the Statue of Liberty, and it shows an African-featured woman with chains on her feet, mm-hmm. you know, um, and folks can turn to page 46 in, in the puzzle book and see this. You won't get that in a regular puzzle book. I have puzzles on Madeline C.J. Walker and the spirit of entrepreneurship, you know, where during her lifetime she hired, now, get this now. This was over 100 years ago. She hired over 20,000 people, you know. I mean, so she, she was an entrepreneur extraordinary. Well, can you repeat that? She, she hired how many people? She hired during the course of her, her lifetime. She hired over 20,000 people. 
This was like we're, we're talking about like over a hundred years ago. That's Madam right. C. J. Walker. She owned and, cro- and controlled her manu- own manufacturing plants. You know, see a shoe, a, a shoe, brilliant um, businesswoman. You know, so in other words, when we talk about the means of production, we talk about like you know, like fast forward in this day and time, it's hard. It's hard you're hard pressed to find like many African Americans who own, you know, um, their own manufacturing plants. Mm-hmm. You know, especially in the hair care industry, which is a, 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 a multi-billion-dollar industry. You know, uh, back then she owned the plants that manufactured her products. You know, and believe it or not, her products are still around. You know, I was That's at a right. Black History Showcase in Philadelphia earlier this year, and I saw the folks who, like, you know, bought up and owned a business. There's an African-American woman, you know, and they own the Madam C.J. Walker Company, and they use, still use the same original formulas that she used. You know, so in my puzzle books, these are the kind of stories that you get. You get stories, like, about the black black inventors, um, Black Statue of Liberty, Madam C.J. Walker, stuff on the puzzles on the African burial ground, where it's just not words that you're looking for, but you get actually stories and narratives. You know, stories about, you know, Black Wall Street. You know, um, there, there's an excellent movie out called Before They Die, and it's about the survivors of Black Wall Street, you know, which took place in Tulsa, Oklahoma in 1921, where whites were envious and jealous of, you know, the, the, the thriving economy that existed in this black town, and they, you know, conspired to burn it down. And they, you know, they came up with a bogus, you know, reason, and, you know, they came in, they, they literally bombed the town. You know, they stored, destroyed you know, um, over 3,000 businesses and homes, you know, and there were a, a, a bunch of multimillionaires, blacks owned their own banks, they had their own bus lines, and so on and so forth. So these are the kind of stories I tell in my puzzle books, but I make it fun, you know. Um, so, you know, as you're doing the puzzle, you know, you, you're having fun. If you like word search puzzles, if you like crossword puzzles, if you like even Sudoku puzzles, I have something I call So You Know To, you know, which is a variation of Sudoku where I connect, the Sudoku puzzles with stories, you know. Um, so I have a, a, a store, a Sudoku puzzle called Fabric Magic, fa- um, fa- uh, Magic Fabric, and it's about Kente Claude. It's about some of the all other fabrics that come out of Africa, you know, and so on and so forth. So I mean, so there's all kind of um, things that I do with the puzzle series that makes it different from just a regular puzzle book. Now, Kevin, what is a Sudoku? <laughs> it comes from a Japanese word um, that means number. You know, um, so Sudoku is, is, is basically, you know, numbers from the one to nine, and you have to um, put them in order without repeating them. So you have, mm-hmm. like, a square is a grid. You know, you have, like, maybe nine squares going across, nine squares going down, you know, row, rows and, and columns. And then you have to fill in the numbers from one to nine, you know, but it, you can't repeat the number in any row. So, like, say in your first row you have a two, you know, um, you only have that in that row once. Then the next row, mm-hmm. you know, one to nine, you know. So by the time you finish, you know, in each little square, you got the numbers one to nine, but they don't repeat, you know. And so, you know, it, it's, it starts from the very simple, and it can get really complex. But they're a lot of fun, and they're a great brain exercise, you know. So it, it, it works your brain. And so the seniors, you know, Along with the Duco puzzles, they love the crossword puzzles because it's a great way for them to, to keep the, the, the mind and the brain stimulated. Now, speaking of of that, have you have have you had people approach you and and say and say to you, well, what what is the evidence that you have that these puzzles are great for the stimulants of the mind? 
<laughs> you know, I, 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 you know, I'm laughing. No, but people they come up to me all the time. Like I just recently did a show here in New York. It was a Kwanzaa celebration at the Museum of Natural History. They host the event there every year, and I have people come up to my table and they say, "Look, I love your puzzles. You know, um, I, I learned so much from them. You know, they help me. You know, they're great um, brain workout. I mean, these are their words. You know, they're not mine. I mean." They say, you know, a woman a couple months ago, she's a talk show host here in New York, you know, um, about a year ago she had purchased some books to give away. She ended up keeping it, and then when they had the Hurricane Sandy, she said, you know what, I picked up the book. And she said, I just want to tell you, your book, it just kept my mind so stimulated and kept me so engrossed, you know, um, for the whole time, because we couldn't go nowhere because the transportation was shut down. Mm. You know, the whole city was shut down. I mean, so... Yeah, that's the kind of feedback I get, you know. Um, I had a young boy at the museum, you know, 10 years old, um, named my man. He came up, he said, look, I really enjoy I love your puzzle books. You know, same reason, you know, um, you know, because they, they, they're interesting, they're exciting, and they, they, they really stretch you, mm-hmm. you know, and then they're fun. Well, let's see now. I would think that your puzzles are all over the school system. Am I right? To some degree, yes. You know, um, yeah. They, what it is, more and more people, the more, as folks find out more and more about them, then they are getting them. Here in New York, you know, there's quite a few schools that have the puzzle books. You know, some schools in Philadelphia. I just got a call from a librarian in Chicago who's looking to order the books. Uh, some schools in New Jersey a few in Atlanta. So the word is getting out. And as the word gets out, you know, the more and more schools are requesting them. So what are some of the obstacles um, you have faced with trying to get trying to get the books in schools? Well, one of the, partly is the, the bureaucracy. Like, say, mm-hmm. for example, um, I do, like, an education conference. I interface with a lot of educators, principals, teachers, you know, elementary school, middle school, high school, they see the books, they see the content, they love it. You know, um, they say, wow, this is great. I'll go back, I'll show it to my administrator, you know, and, you know, from there it's just a matter of doing the follow-up, you know. And sometimes, you know, they show it, sometimes they may not have the money in the budget right away, so that may um, cause them to hold off. Um, Other times it's just a matter, you know, of, you know, other folks may have to take a look at it. Sometimes it's by, done by committee where they have to show the other members on the committee, and then, you know, once they sign off for it, they'll get the book. So those, those are some of the challenges. I mean, know, puzzles and, Puzzles have always been in the schools. I mean, it is the and – and I'm not speaking of your puzzles because I just remember and as, as a teacher looking for some things of more substance, but, you know, the, it's just mine – um, activities that they have it's not necessarily for a learning tool in in the school system but here you're offering you're offering a a learning tool as well as an activity that can be used it, sh- it seems to me that it shouldn't even be a question that they should just be there right okay well see i'm i'm, I'm being nice here okay that that was no, like you don't have to be answer. nice this is the key no no i'm i'm, I'm, I'm gonna lay it out <laughs> you know i'm gonna give you both sides yeah i'm gonna lay it out everybody don't get it you know, unfortunately, you know, um, you know, I was speaking to another young woman I met at the event on Saturday. She she's actually a trainer at a teachers college, you know, um in you know, I believe in New Jersey. And she was talking about like some of the challenges she has is just trying to get, you know, teach um aspiring teachers up to speed. 
They come into the inner city. They come into our ur- the urban areas, and they really don't know how to teach our youngsters. You know, they you know first of all they come in you know with the, the mindset that they're going to save us. You know, like they they're here to rescue us. You know, as if we need rescuing, and as if you know we're incapable of like rescuing or saving ourselves. The other piece too is that you know a lot of times I go into a lot of schools, and sometimes I step back and I watch you know um, how. Some folks, you know, not all of them, but some folks that's not from our community, you know, they they get intimidated by us, you know, especially the male students, you know. So because of that, you know, they criminalize a lot of things that we do. If we talk too loud, you know, um, if I move a certain way, then that becomes, you know, like, you know, um, reason for me to maybe being called out, you know. So, uh, you know, the, in answer to your question, you know, a lot of times teaching is not really happening in the classrooms in a lot of these schools. You know, it's more about controlling. It's more about, like, containing, you know, um, you know. And, you know, so what I'm saying essentially is that sometimes, you know, unfortunately some of these teachers, they don't get it. Like, say, for example, my most recent book, The Piecing It Together, that was written with, like, youngsters, particularly teenagers in mind. So I had puzzles in that book that address things like bullying, things like gangs, you know, and when I say address, I'm using stories that, you know, youngsters, when they read it, they perk up. Like I, the story I have about gangs, you know, it talks about this, this young brother from out of Jersey named Deshaun. He's a former gangbanger. You know, but like while in his early 20s, he just turned his life around. He said, you know what? He said, I'm just tired of living, like, you know, that lifestyle. And so he started turning his life around. He went out and he started, like, you know, helping, you know, talking to other youngsters, you know, say, look, you know, like, we can't get down like this no more. You know, um, so those are kind of stories I tell in my puzzle books. You know, um, the story with Carmen, the rapper. You know, he talks about like when he as a youngster. You know, um, you know, like you know his relationship with his stepfather. You know, the, actually this puzzle is called Boys and Men. So these are the kind of stories I'm telling to engage youngsters. Um, stories about teenagers. There's a young girl named Leanna Archer. She started a, 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 her own hair care business company in her home in Long Island. She was nine years old. She's like 15, 16 years old now. She goes all over the country lecturing to other young people, you know, giving, inspiring them, like, you know, look, you can take your creativity, you can take your skills, and you can start a business. Same thing with the two brothers, the Holland brothers. They're from Maryland. They start an ICES business. A lot of times we see other, you know, communities selling ICES, and, we, you know, we think that's kind of like beneath us. These two young yeah. brothers, they were like trying to come up with a way to um, get tuition money for their younger sister. So they borrowed some money from their parents to go out and start their own ICs company. And over like a, maybe a two, three-year period, they was making like literally hundreds of thousands, like not hundreds, but literally thousands of thousands, of about $80,000 in sales. And they like were 13 and 14 years old. I mean, so again, these are stories that I'm telling in the books to engage youngsters. So when they see these stories, they perk up because they see themselves reflected in the puzzle books. And so for a teacher, you know, they could use the puzzles of the book as lesson plans. Actually, I had a teacher in Philadelphia with her fifth grade class. That's basically what she did. She, t- she took each puzzle in the book, and she had her students write a report on the puzzle, you know, t- on each of the themes, and she used it as a lesson plan for 30 days. So I had puzzles on self-esteem, puzzles on bullying, puzzles on sexual harassment or racial profiling, on the African burial ground, on you know, speaking up for yourself. I mean, on and on and on. So she took each of those, and each of the puzzles, you know, are, are if I use different, like, you know, maybe famous personalities, maybe not so famous personalities, 
Like there's a puzzle I have, you know, that talks about standing up for yourself. And I use a young woman named Claudette Colvin. Now, a lot of people have heard of Rosa Parks, but they, but they may not have heard of Claudette Colvin. She was a 15-year-old girl who lived in the same town, Montgomery, Alabama, as uh, Rosa Parks. You know, knew Rosa Parks, knew Rosa, Rosa Parks' family. Six, six months before Rosa Parks refused to give up her seat, Claudette did the same thing. Okay. She had been in school that day. Her teachers were on the money. Her teachers were teaching them about, like, civil rights, their rights, you know, here in this country, you know, um, about um, segregation, you know, the evils of desegregation. And so in 1956, when she left school that day, she got on the bus. Mm-hmm. You know, the, the law was that if a white person got on the bus and the bus got crowded, you had to get up, give up your seat, and go to the back. She said she stayed in her seat. So the bus driver pulled over. He told her, look, Claude, you got to get up. She said, I'm not going nowhere. They called the cops on her. They dragged this young sister off the bus, clawing and screaming that I got rights, I got rights, I got rights. This Now, see, mind you, she's 15 years old, six months before Rosa Parks. Not many of us heard the story, know the story of Claudia Colvin. But I tell that story to let young people know that, look, you're never too young to stand up for what you believe in. And so to bring the, the conversation, you know, into contemporary times, current, I said, okay, what is one thing that maybe you could stand up for? that you could take a stand for. This is what Claudette did because she felt that was wrong. You know, what's one thing that you could stand up for that you feel is wrong? You know, and this is how I get young people involved in the conversation, and this is the kind of thing that I do in the puzzle books that I encourage teachers to do with their students as a way of engaging them, you know, and to making, you know, the, the education process more fun, more and more informative, and more hands-on and interactive for the young people that they're, you know, commissioned to serve. Well, Kevin, I'm going to give out the call-in number, and then we're going to go for a quick break. We're going to come back and pick up on that point. So the call-in number is 213-943-3618. That's area code 213-943-3618. And don't forget to press the number 1 on your keypad to let us know that you want to speak. If you don't want to speak, press number 1 again, and it will delete. We'll be right back. This portion of the keys was brought to us by Rafika Consultants and Services, LLC. Rafika Consultants and Services, LLC is on the cutting edge of emerging technologies for designing online classes and providing face-to-face and virtual technology training or help with computer programs, web design, and graphic arts. We also provide biography writing services for websites. For more information, give us a call at 631-399-0149. That's 631-399-0149. This portion of the keys on Blog Talk Radio was brought to you by The Fluffs Present the Alphabet, now found in paperback, sporting a five-star rating on Amazon.com. This portion of the key was brought to us by Moon107.com. Moon107, fashions and gifts that bring out the best in you. Moon 107 is an online retail store featuring women's and men's clothing and a gift shop. The women's shop features stylish tunics, suits, and accessories, 
and offers the well-dressed woman an outlet to find the perfect gift for self or for someone else. The men's shop offers classy French-cut shirts for the well-dressed man. The gift shop offers organic skin, hair, bath accessories, and inspirational music imported from Africa, India, and Asia, as well as jewelry and accessories. Moon 107, fashions and gifts that bring out the best in you. Don't forget to visit moon107.com. Your hostess, Sister Rafika Muhammad. Well, we're back, and um, the call-in number is area code 213-943-3618. It's 213-943-3618. And uh, we're here with Kevin I. Kim Dunn, also known as the Puzzle Guy, his um, company and Puzzle books are under puzzles for you. Um, is that a, a puzzle? You know what? You know what? I always say puzzles for you. Well, it's for you why. too. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's for you too. It's for me, you, it's for, it's for all of us. But it's puzzles for us. Okay, yes. it's puzzles for us. And, and uh, why don't you just let the listening audience know how they can reach you? Yes, um, they could go to my website at www. Puzzlesforus.com. That's www.puzzlespuzzlesforus.com. Or they can reach me us by phone seven one eight five three eight six one zero two. That's seven one eight five three eight six one zero two. No, we're we're going to give that information out before we wrap up. But I just yes. sometimes we get caught in the conversation and we get close to the hour. And it's time to sign off, and I didn't tell people how they can reach you, so I wouldn't like that to happen today. But tell us about your uh, custom puzzles and your affiliation with the Apollo Theater. Okay, yes. Um, yeah, one of the things that, you know, I do with the series, I create custom puzzles. And a custom puzzle, you know, I make it, like, for family reunions. Sometimes you have families, some of them are pretty large, where they're trying to do something or they would like to do something different with their families as a kind of like as an icebreaker or in some cases maybe to capture some of the history of their family, you know, um, for historical reasons. So they will approach me and they say, well, look, you know, um, can you do a custom puzzle? I said, sure. So I, I do those kind of puzzles. With the Apollo Theater, I was invited to do a, a puzzle for Savion Glover. You know, he he performed there a few years ago. And uh, he, you know, and Xavier Glover, as your audience know, the tap dance, you know, you may have first seen him in the tap dance kid. Mm-hmm. So they wanted to do a, a puzzle that they could hand out to people who attended the performance. Mm-hmm. So I created a puzzle on tap dance, you know, and what it did, it was a word search puzzle that talked about the history of tap dance, you know, um, which I didn't know at that point. I didn't really know, but in doing the research, I found out it was a guy, you know, um, uh, uh, innovator by the name of Master Juber. He lived in the Five Point area here in New York, and he was one of the originators of tap dance, you know, um, what we now know as modern tap, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, and it grew out, you know, it really grew out of the, you know, we were speaking about the movie Django earlier, you know, you know, 
during enslavement, you know, the drum was, you know, as most of your listeners know, the drum, we couldn't, we weren't allowed to play the drum. You know, right. so being the creative, innovative type of people that we are, resourceful, we came up with workarounds. You know, I mean, you know, the hand clapping, the padding, what they call padding juba, or even the patty cake, patty cake, you know, um, hambo, hambo, have you heard? You know, that became our percussion instrument. You know, um, so even then, using our hands, using our feet, using our mouth, you know, um, making, you know, almost kind of like the beatbox thing, but using our hand, you know, to make like a popping sound. These all became percussion devices, you know, um, for ways to create in- rhythm, you know, music. Rhythm, you know, yeah. so, exactly, you know, and so with our feet. So, you know, um, Master Juba, you know, he, you know, the, 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 the Irish dance, I don't know how many of your listeners may have seen the movie River Dance or the, the, the play River Dance, you know. Um, mm-hmm. But if you, if you notice, you know, a lot of them Irish steps, you know, kind of like, you know, what folks do with the tap dance and even with the stepping. You know, so what he did, he just improvised, you know, he, you know, some of the Irish, you know, steps, some of the um, steps that we had already been doing, and he came up with the synthesis that became known as the modern tap dance. You know, so when I did the puzzle for the Apollo Theater, that was the first puzzle I did for them. Then I did a, a, another follow-up puzzle, you know, um, the following year for Kwanzaa. You know, every year they do an annual, annual Kwanzaa celebration at the Apollo Theater. So, again, I was invited to do a custom puzzle on Kwanzaa, you know. And so the theme I picked was the spirit of uh, Ujima, working together, you know, collective work and responsibility. And I used there's a group out of Philly called the Rennie Harris Pure Dance Movement. And they're a hip-hop group, you know, I mean. Mm-hmm. But when you see them, you know, you, you it's like, it's why they just out of this world. I mean, they took hip-hop dance, break dancing, gymnastics to a whole new level. I mean, which really, again, speaks to the level of creativity that, you know, present among, you know, communities of color, you know. Um, so I use them because, you know, you know, when they, they, I mean, they're dancing smooth, it's energetic, it's vibrant, it's creative. I mean, it, it's, I mean, and there's all these different elements fused into it. it it's, it's modern dance, it's, it's hip-hop, it's tap, it's gymnastics, it's, it's, it's breaking, all that, you know. And so, I mean, Rennie Harris, I mean, he's brilliant, you know, but his dance troupe, they, they, you know, these are young folks and they're awesome. You know, and they know them all across the world. So I use that to kind of like highlight this whole spirit of like folks working together for like a common good. And so, you know, when I did the, the Quanta puzzle for Apollo Theater, I used the, the Rennie Harris Dance Movement group as a backdrop. And then the last puzzle I did for the Apollo Theater was um, for the Dream Girls. Um, they had a Dream Girls showcase where Patty LaBelle and others came, and you know, they um, did a local performance. You know, and so I did a puzzle around. The, the 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 different green dream girls group groups like the Supremes the Marvelettes you know um up until the present some of the, the I I can't think of the names of some of the, the more recent um women groups you know but mm-hmm. that's what the puzzle focuses on the different um African American women groups you know over the years yeah so that was a puzzle and I've done other custom puzzles I just recently was commissioned to do some puzzles on the Emancipation Proclamation the Schauberg Library, you know, so, you know, I always get excited because it, it, it's a chance, again, to engage folks, not just youngsters, but adults, you know, who otherwise wouldn't pick up maybe a history book, but they'll pick up a puzzle. And as they're yeah, doing the yeah. puzzle, yeah, they're, they're learning, you know, and so a lot of times it's kind of like, it's subtle. You know, they say, wow, like, I didn't know that, you know, um, you know, and, and they say, I didn't know that, you know, but just by doing the puzzle, they learn, they're learning all this stuff. So, 
the custom puzzles, have you ever had someone come up to you and, and do maybe a genealogy puzzle of someone's family? Not yet. But I would love to work on something like that. So that just came Not to my yet. mind. I was thinking about like a family history. <laughs> well, you know, the closest the closest thing I've done to that, there's a, there's a woman, and she has an excellent blog. Her name is Leslie Giss, and she has a blog. Actually, she does um, talk radio, too. She has a show called The Gist of Freedom. Um, she she did an autobiography, well, a biography more or less of her family. Um, her family, her last name is Gist, but in her family line, there's uh, the Still family, and there's you know just a gentleman by the name of William Still. They consider him like grandfather or the of the Underground Railroad, you know. And you know, during the 1800s, you know, I mean, he was a famous abolitionist, but that's part of her family tree. So, you know, what she had me do, she commissioned me to do some puzzles about this book, which was about her family, you know, going back to the Still family. So that's the closest thing I've come to doing a family tree puzzle because in the puzzles, you know, I'm, you know, talking about generations of her family, the Still family and the Gist family in these puzzles. You know, they're word search puzzles and they're crossword puzzles. Mm-hmm. But, you know, just one puzzle, you know, devoted to just one thing. I haven't done that yet, but I would love to work on something like that. I think that would be a nice addition to the family reunion. You know, they have the T-shirts. You know, you can give out a puzzle for everybody and have everybody sit down and and ask questions because, like you said, the the puzzles generate conversation. Exactly. The hit movie will come out and everyone is talking about it. I can't tell you how many places I've been to so far where people have been talking about this movie, Django, and bringing and, and resurging the conversation of slavery, but from a different, you know, different perspective now. Right, right, which is which is a good thing, I, I, I believe. Because, you know, see, one of the things why I do the, the Puzzles for a series is to tell our story. Because we don't always get opportunities to tell our stories in our own yes. world. You know, a lot of times, you know, either others are telling it for us, you know, and they're putting their own twist and their own spin on it. Yeah. So we need to tell our story in our own words because we're the ones that live it, and we're still living it. So you know, the puzzles for series is a series is about us telling our own stories, you know, and seeing it, you know, through a different lens, you know, and and also being able to connect people to information and resources that at the end of the day empowers them, you know, because again, like the story about the Black Wall Street, you know, um, yeah, I had a chance, you know, I was fortunate to meet one of the survivors. Her name is Dr. Olivia Hooker. She's about ninety-eight years old now. She mm. was a six years old. She was six years old in nineteen twenty-one when that happened. Mm. But when you hear her story, is so compelling. When you mm. hear, you know, how her mother, how her parents hid her under the bed, and how, you know, she talked about them bombing the town. I mean, you know, now the fast forward. She became Dr. Olivia Hooker. She became the first African American woman um, officer in the Coast Guard, and she also went on to become a, a, a psychologist. You know, where she worked, you know, in the, one of the prisons, you know, in upstate New York for a number of years, you know, among other things, you know. But she's an amazing woman. Her faculties are still intact, you know. Um, but, see, a lot of times we get those stories as sound bites. You yes, know, it's 30, yes. 30 second sound bites. We don't get the full story. You With know, no but when you hear. Exactly. And when you hear her story, and then there's a DVD that, um, that documents, you know, the story of Black Wall Street. It's called Before They Die. And this is about, you know, the people up until a uh, couple of years ago, there were like a number of survivors that were still alive that had lived through that, you know, the the, the bombing of, of Tulsa, Oklahoma, you know. Mm-hmm. And so they made a film about, you know, them trying to get reparations for the destruction of their time because it was a thriving 
black community. I mean, where it was kind of like, you know, the the, the Harlem of the, of, the, of the South. I mean, folks came from all over, you know, Booker T. Washington, you know, Duke Ellington, all the big name stars of the day at some point came through Black Wall Street. You know, um, that's how prospects are thriving. And, you know, just, you know, as a uh, as a side note, that wasn't only the only Black Wall Street. There were other towns, other cities and communities throughout the country, you know, that had, you know, a reputation of being like a, uh, were considered like Black Wall Street. But that's one of the better known ones, you know. But, you know, it's an important story. But, again, it was it, you pick up a history book, if you find it, it's only a footnote. So it wasn't until we were able to tell our own story through film, through you know books and otherwise that the real story began to like really come out, right, you know, right, and that we realized that there were people that were still living that were alive at that time. There was a hundred. Uh, there was this guy, gentleman, who was 105 years old. That oh. you can you will see him in the film. And again, this guy, you know, you would think he would maybe in the 70s because he's so clear and so concise in his speech. You know, um, you know, but they tell the story of what it was like to live through that experience. And how, like, the National Guards, they just stood by and watched as the whites, you know, burned the town down. They burned it, I mean, yes. Yeah. 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 So, I mean, so those, you know, so, again, it's just us, you know, opportunity for us to tell our story. So, you know, just, you know, um, piggybacking on, you know, you, you mentioned the movie um, Django, you know. Um, yeah, again, I haven't seen the movie, so I can't really speak to it. But, yeah, like how you said, it creates a conversation. It gives the opportunity to talk. To look back, and sometimes we have to look back in order to move forward, and to really get a better understanding of what happened then, what happened to us, you know, how we responded, what did we do, um, to to stay together, to keep our sanity, to survive, you know, and how that really carried us forward, you know, um, because we are resilient people, you know, and you know, I received an email from you know um, one of my subscribers who subscribed to my newsletter, and it was about the movie Django. And she wanted to know, she said her and her girlfriend went to see the movie. And she, she said, well, look, there was a scene in the movie where, I guess, I think it was two Mandingo warriors, they were fighting each other, you know. And what she said in the email is that, you know, I think they fought to the debt. And she said her girlfriend said, you know, well, she don't think that that was possible, that would have happened, because she, she said slave owners had a vested interest, because slaves were property, you know, and they had a certain monetary value. So she, you know, she said her girlfriend didn't feel that, you know, in real life, that may have, that would have happened. And yeah, so but you know what said, I would say, I would say, yes. me, I, I would say, yeah, but you know what, it might have been more, it might have been a higher investment if if the the slave who won that fight, you understand, so they would let one die for the greater value of the one that lived. And that's a good point. That's a good point. Because it's a, she sick, said, it's she, a you sick know. system, anyway. Exactly. Either way you look at it. <laughs> no, I mean you can't. You can't. You can't rationalize anything in slavery. Right. You can't. You, you can't. You can't say, well, you know, these things happen, but I can't imagine them wanting them to die when they beat them to death. Exactly. When they, you know. Exactly. It just didn't make no sense, and so that that was. Pretty much along the lines of like my response to, it. I said, "Look, I said, okay, yeah, you know, I said your friend has a point because they were valuable, but unless you know them killing each other serves some higher purpose, because you know we exactly, talk about yeah. the 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 the, 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 the badass person, excuse my language, but mm-hmm. you know the bad guy, you know, I guess you know what they would consider the thug, you know, the guy that just wasn't having it, the rebel, you know, what do you do with somebody like that, you know, um, 
is, like I said, beating folks to death, you know, to, to, to instill fear. You know, I mean, we, we've heard the stories. We, you know, read the, the, the true accounts where, I mean, you know, it was like cutting babies out of mother's wombs, out of their stomachs, you know, while, yes, while yes. they were still carrying them, you know, um, you know, and, you know, cutting off folks' feet. I mean, you know, um, I mean, you know, and, and I mean, worse than that, torn feathering folks and, you know, and all the other, you know, abuses that were heaped upon folks. So, yeah, you know, I mean, so, you know, it's not really a stretch of imagination for, you know, something like that to happen, you know, and at the same time, like the, the what they call the so-called upperly slave, you know, the one that, you know, was, was rebellious or just didn't want to go along to get along, you know, a lot of times they made examples out of them. So, you know, and unfortunately they may have got, you know, us to sign on to it, you know, because our lives were at stake too, you know, so they pit us against each other. You know, again, the, the whole divide and conquer kind of thing. So, yeah, there's any number of reasons why that would have occurred. So, yeah, I agree with you. Yeah, it just it didn't make any sense, you know. But and at the end of the day, it was it was about the dollar. Exactly, the whole system was built yeah. on the economy, chattel slavery. Um, but I wanted to find out from you um, about some challenges that you may have faced when you when you started, because I know you said this has been a long journey. You had you started out with the love for puzzles, for words as a child. Growing up, that sort of stuck with you, and then eventually you realize that this could be a business for you. So, what are some of the obstacles that you you faced? Well, you you know what, and you know, and that, that's a good question because you know I, you know, I'm sure there's people in your listening audience who's thinking about stepping out and maybe doing their own business and whatever. You know, one of the challenges was like just getting started. You know, as I mentioned earlier, you know, just having the idea. You know, you know how you have an idea, and people you tell people they tell oh, that's a good idea. But just don't know what to do. And sometimes it's fear, you know, um, like, well, how can I really do this? You know, how do I start? So I started doing it as a hobby. You know, I started, like, putting together these little puzzles and plastic sheets. You start with a couple of crossword puzzles. My sister's the one that actually convinced me that I could actually sell them, mm. you know. Um, she said, yeah, you know, you can sell those because, you know, she, I mean, she, she's from the old school. And then she's an entrepreneur at heart. You know, she has her own business, you know, and so... She said, look, you know, you can sell them. She said, yeah, these are really good, you know. And so, you know, I got out there, you know, initially, and, I, you know, I put a couple together in a small, like, like little pamphlet, you know, and people started buying them, you know. And then, you know, I got the feedback I started getting. They said, wow, this is really good. It's different and so on and so forth. So that planted the seed. But it wasn't like, you know, it didn't, like, happen overnight because I was still working, you know, I'm a database programmer by profession, so, you know, I would do my daytime database job, you know, which I was growing, like, disenchanted with. I was just really growing dissatisfied because it stopped being fulfilling and stopped being challenging. I was making, like, mm-hmm. fairly decent money, you know. Um, but I knew I had this idea in my mind that I wanted to do, but I was scared to step out. So one day I just walked off my job. You know, I said, look, you know, I wasn't getting along with the guy who I was reporting to, you know, my, my, my supervisor. So, you know, it was a young guy, you know, a young white guy. You know, we, we were, like, bumping heads. And I said, you know what? I can't do this no more, you know. And so, and a month before that, I went to this event, and I was speaking to this young woman. I guess you would call her, like, she was like a spiritual advisor. And we were mm-hmm. talking, and she said, look, you, she said, you're sitting on a gold mine. She mm-hmm. said, I don't know what you, why are you playing? You know, and I didn't even tell her what I had an idea for a, a business or anything. She said, I don't know why you're playing, but you're sitting on a gold mine. She said, sometimes you got to step out there, you know, um, and step outside the box in order to realize your dream. And so, yeah. again, that was another seed that was planted, you know, and so when I walked off the job, I said, look, you know, I, I walked off without a plan, 
you know, and the, the little bit of money I had saved within six months' time, that ran out. And so I was kind of like floundering, you know. Um, and so I found, uh, uh, I was directed to an organization called Project Enterprise, which, you know, and I would recommend that anybody listening find an organization in your area. You know, this was an organization that supported startup businesses. They provided, like, microloans, resources, and support for people that was either looking to start a business or who had started a business but needed some kind of support, needed financial mm. support, needed some type of mentoring and coaching. So, you know, I was fortunate. I found this organization, and I started learning about how, like, to, to really, like, do a business, you know, how to take your hobby or your idea or your hustle and turn it into a business, you know. Um, and so some of the early challenges were, like, you know, um, finding the money to get my when I Once I started putting the books together, to find the money to get the books printed, um, other challenges were, you know, um, you know, some of the events, you know, like doing the networking, you know, learning how to network, you know, mm-hmm. how to, 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 to actually sell my product. In the beginning, I was giving it away. I was just so happy to have a book. People that they, they show interest in it here, you know, how much is it? Well, how much you got? <laughs> well, that's how much it costs, you know. <laughs> you know, because you're just so excited to finally be doing, you know, what was in your heart to do. So I had to learn, like, to start charging for my books. You know, I had to learn that people said, look, you can't be giving away your stuff, you know, because it costs money to make. It costs money to produce. So, again, I had to learn the business end of it. You know, I had to learn, you know, the language of doing business, how to keep, you know, um, books, how to, how to do financial statements, you know, um, because all that was part of growing and running the business, you know, how to bring people on board to help me so I don't have to be a one-man operation, you know, how, how to build a team. You know how to bring in consultants. You know, um, people. Now, how did you? Me, yes. How did you? How did you find answers to some of these questions that you that you're throwing out? That I I, I think are questions that stemmed from you know your reflective mind. You know how did how did you pull a team together? How did you learn how to how to market your book? Well, well here, did you have a mentor? Thing. Right, I have, I have coaches. I've had mentors. But here, here here's the thing. You know how they say when the student is ready, the teacher will appear. You know. Mm. You know. See, there's a spiritual dynamic to everything that we do. You know, once you put it out there and the universe, the creator, whoever sees that you're serious about it, you'll get the help that you need, you know, because now you're creating the direction of what you want, you know. So you'll be connected to the right people, to the right resources, the right information. So the more I start thinking about what I want to do, the more, you know, I will open up a newspaper and go, there will be an advertisement for a workshop orientation for for a business support group. I get a phone call. I'll be talking to a friend who may happen to mention, you know, another friend who was, like, doing a business, you know, um, and would be somebody that, you know, I can talk to. You know, um, actually, there was a puzzle book. There's another woman. I can't think of her name offhand. She did a a crossword and word search series before I did. It was called Soulful Crosswords. She no longer does a series. She was out of, I believe, Detroit. You know, I, I looked in her book and I found her number. I called her, come to find out she was an airline stewardess. You know, um, and she had a flight. We so we started talking, and so she said she she became a mentor. She said she did you know she did her series some years before I did mine, and she became like a mentor. She told me about like the, the pitfalls, some of her struggles, her challenges. How like the first time she printed her books, I think she printed up fifteen thousand copies, and how she found typos. 
and how it kind of like this. He started finding all these because he was just so excited to get it out there. He didn't really do the editing and the proofreading. Oh, my God. So, you know, so, again, so these are some of the lessons. So she said, look, when you do your first print run, do a smaller quantity. So if you do find mistakes, it won't you won't cost you as much to have them, like, fixed or corrected. You know, and so little things like that. So she, you know, so she would stay on the phone for for hours with me, just like you know, sharing all this information, all these tips, all these insights. You know, which was really helpful. She even put me in contact with a distributor in my area that had a relationship with the schools where I live. That you know was kind of like my first introductions into schools in this area. You know, so but again, how I found it is because I had the desire. I reached out. And then the universe responded by connecting me with the people and the resources, Project Enterprise, you know, through them. I, I started meeting a lot of people, you know, that were further along in their business process that had the experience, you know, um, going to different networking events, listening to people like Lisa Price, from, who started Carol's Daughter. That's, your, your listeners may know her, you know, um, or maybe familiar with Carol's Daughter. You know, I had a chance through Project Enterprise to meet her, to hear her speak, to hear her struggle. How she started in her home making her products with money that she had saved. Eventually, like venturing out, getting other investors to buy into her vision. You know, um, so it's things like that. So those have been some of the challenges, and you know, and that's been part of the process. You know, for me to you know to kind of like to, to grow into my company to where that is now. Well, you know, you just touched on um, one of the one of the keys that we try to uh, key into as as the ideology of our shows, and that is the um, spiritual key, because I announced that we would be talking about the education key. But you also say that to that to open that door, you need to have that spiritual key of putting it out into the universe and having the universe respond back to you. I like definitely, that. Definitely, definitely. And see, and the other piece, too, is that, like, in growing the business, you know, the, you, you bring all those elements to bear. It's not just having the vision, you know, mm-hmm. the imagination and the idea, but, you know, the spiritual fortitude because you, you're going to be tested. You're going to get a lot of no's. You know, I had That's to learn right. how, like, to develop my voice, like, to, to, to get a voice, to deal with rejection, <laughs> to deal with people saying no. You know, like, why should I get that? Like, you know, sometimes you, you know, because I thought, like, when they when the first when I got my first um, 100 books printed, I said, great, now everybody's going to be knocking down my door at the beginning of my book. <laughs> that didn't happen. First of all, people didn't know about the book. You know, if you lived somewhere and you didn't live like on my block or didn't wasn't close, you know, there was no way that you was gonna know that this guy got these puzzle books. So I had to learn about marketing, promotion, advertising. So again, but then I had to start reaching out to people. You know, um, because you know, the, the, I mean, now people see the books and they pretty much sell themselves because people just you know the cover, the quality of the books are really that good. But again, you know, part of the selling. Is talking to people, mm-hmm. you know, and, and letting people know how you can help them. Not so much me, about me trying to convince you to buy my book, but what the book, the benefits that the book is able to bring to you. With youngsters, you know, it's a great way to improve literacy because it gets them to read, you know. And then, you know, through reading, you know, they build up vocabulary skills, their literacy skills, their critical thinking skills, their problem-solving skills, you know. So these are the benefits, you know. For, for somebody older, it's a great way it makes learning your history easy and fun, you know. It makes it very easy and convenient where when you're taking a trip, you know, on the plane, you know, on, on the ride on the train, you know, um, going on vacation, you could just throw the book in your bag and take with you 
and you get the benefit of having like a encyclopedia of black history at your fingertips, easy and convenient, but mm-hmm. in a fun way. You know, so yes. these are the benefits. You know, it makes learning fun. So again, you know, but me learning and finding my voice, you know, to be able to, you know, to navigate the, the terrain of the business world, of reaching out to people, sharing with them, you know, how the books, you know, could really improve or, or benefit them, you know, and assist them, you know, in, you know, whatever it is that they do, you know, and at the same time dealing with the rejection, dealing with the no's, you know, um, yeah, all, all that was part of it. So, you know, that, you know, going back to that spiritual piece, so what it does, it builds your faith. You know, it really puts to test, you know, your faith and your belief. You know, a lot of times it's like how we say, you know, lip service. Some of us, we can talk the talk, but until you really step out there, you know, that's when you really see where you're at, you know. And then, you know, excuse me? No, go ahead, go ahead. No, I was just going to say, that's where you really see where you're at, you know, and really how much more you need to really grow. And so doing the business has grown me, like from the inside out. You know, and so that's why I tell people, I said, look, go for it. If you have a dream, if you have a vision, if there's something in your heart to do that you've been sitting on for years and years and years, sometimes you just got to step out there. You can't wait till you think it's the right time. When I save enough money, when I get this particular job, when I get this many years at this job, then, no, you have to do it now. There's no, how they say, there's no time like the moment. That's you know? right. And then and when you, you, once you do it, then you, you send a clear signal to the universe that you're serious about what you're doing. And the universe responds in kind. Spirit will respond in kind, will open up the way and make a way for you to live out your dream because you know, it, it, what it does, it allows you, first of all, to serve at a higher level, you know, to, you know, to, 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 to connect with more people. And then you, know, you become an example. You know what they say in Scripture about hiding your light? Because now you're letting your light shine. Mm-hmm. You know, when you let your light shine, other folks can see it. And then you're able to make a difference in other people's lives. And that's how we pull each other up. Well, see, that there there comes the um, part that you spoke about earlier when you were giving your books away. You said you were just so happy to have finally had your book published that you were just giving them away. Then you learned how to make a business out of your passion, and now you're at the point where you can give your knowledge away, maybe not the paper book, but certainly your process and how you got to where you are right now. And I think that is invaluable to all of our listeners out there who might be sitting back thinking, you know, what am I going to do? How can I do it? Should I do it? You know, Um, you you have to follow your passion. You you really do. You, You really do. And that's one, one business inspired. advisor said. One business advisor said to me, "Make a list of twenty people who will buy your book." And he said, "If right. you can't that's, name that's twenty people who's going to buy your book, then you have to think of how you're going to sell your book." Yes, yes. And you know, if God put the idea in you, then there's somebody that needs what you have. You follow because you know the idea. How, you know, Iyana Van Zant. You know, she says in her book, Acts of Faith, she said, ideas are children of God. Mm. You know, so if God put the idea in you, and he may put it into a hundred people, well, how many of those hundred people are going to act on that idea? And that's what, you know, sets you apart. And see, we're living in a time now, we're in 2013, you know, um, we're living in a time now where, you know, there's a shift going on. 
there's a global, universal, spiritual, you should call it what you want to call it, but we're being pushed into a different paradigm of relating, interacting, living, expressing ourselves. You know, things are opening up, you know, and we it, it can't go back to being the same. George Frazier, you know, another one, you know, you know, he has an excellent book called Success Runs in Our Race, you know, and he has something called the, the, the Power Network, the Success Net. You know, and he goes all over the country. And I just, I just recently learned about him a few years ago, you know, through some other, through, again, through the network and stuff. But this guy, he's awesome. But, you know, what he says, he says, look, he said education for the 21st century should be about not you going to school and getting a degree, but you going to school, getting the training, and creating a job, mm. creating a business. That's right. You know. Or, you know. or how, about, how about just learning? Exactly, learning, you know, and then as a way of empowerment, empowering ourselves yeah. and our community. Because, I, like, say, for example, like when I do an event, you know, I usually have several people helping me, so I'm able to create opportunities for other people in my community who look like me where we could all, you know, benefit, where we could all, you know, you know, create wealth, and the wealth could be spread around and circulated. We're just not one individual because there's only so much that I need, you know, and so that's the other thing that drives what I do, because I'm always looking for ways that, you know, okay, how can we create wealth? How can we turn this into an institution to further sustain ourselves, to empower our young folks, our older folks? There's a lot of retirees out here that's looking for things to do, you know. They, you know, So I have distributorships. I have folks, you know, who come aboard as distributors for puzzles for us. I have workshop facilitators, you know, um, People that could go into schools, go into churches, go into organizations, and host a workshop or give a presentation, you know. And, you know, they don't have to be, you know, um, historians or anything like that because we train folks, you know. And if you have a passion, if you enjoy speaking and connecting with folks, then this may be for you. But these are different ways, you know, that we could create opportunities, employment opportunities for folks in our community. And that's why I love what I do. Mm-hmm. And I'm excited about it. Well, you know, um, um, I don't know if I mentioned this to you, um, but one of the um, the keys that we have here is the social key with um, opening doors to um, acts of kindness or emphasizing acts of kindness. And I think to every business there has to be that philanthropic side to you where you give back to the community on one level or another, you know, depending on where you are with your business can depend on, you know, the, the the outreach that you can give. But there's always a moment where you can talk to somebody and teach somebody and bring somebody new into the fold and train them up. And, and uh, we have a caller. Um, we have a call on the line, and I'm just going to bring this caller in because he's been waiting so patiently. So okay. hang on. Caller, this is the Keys 107. Are you there? Yes, Sister Rafika, this is. Captain Hafiz in Charleston, South Carolina. I have been patient, but it's been pretty interesting, actually. I learned a lot, a lot of the history he was talking about. Um, when you were talking a few minutes ago, you guys were talking about ways to promote your books. This is actually what I do. I've got uh, a nice gift for you guys, 1.5 million Facebook users' email addresses. It's all ready to go. I want both of you guys to give me your email addresses. I'll hit send, and there's some instructions in there for how to utilize those. You could do worse than send an email to 1.5 million Facebook users. You'll probably get more than a few dozen sales every time you send it out. Okay. Um, Kevin, go ahead and give uh, Captain Hafiz your uh, email address, and then I'll give him mine too. Okay, great. It's Kevin, K-E-V-I-N, yeah. at Puzzles, 
T U Z Z L E S for F O R us us dot com. So it's Kevin at puzzlesforus dot com. Okay, I've got you, Kevin, and uh, Miss Rafika. Um, it's R A F I K A. Yeah. Dot. F like Sam. O A R I E S. Like Sam. At gmail dot com. Okay, so your first dot last name at gmail. That's it. All right, guys, it's on the way. Explain to us again what's going to happen. Okay, you're going to get a database of uh, a large text file. It's it's huge. Uh, It's over 100 and something megabytes. So I've compressed it down to about 40 40 megs, and uh, there's a link to a place where you can download it. Make sure you do that before midnight because I'm going to destroy the database from that point. It's worth a couple million dollars, so I just wanted to go directly to you guys and use it for what you're using it for. Uh, and I'll destroy the source at midnight Eastern Standard. When you say you destroy, <laughs> what, what, what I'm, I'm trying to understand. It, These uh, are Facebook contacts. Yeah, it's it, the, I've got a, I've got an attachment limit of 25 megabytes, so I can't send it to you in the email. So I've uploaded it to a place where the link will be active until midnight. So I want you guys just to go into your emails, download that 40 megabyte file, and then follow the directions for how to unpack the file. It's all in there. And what's in the file? It's a huge text file, over 100 megabytes in size. It'll take Notepad a minute or two to open it up. And there's 1.5 to 2 million Facebook user email addresses in there. So okay, the now common thread is that they're, they're all active users, yep. Now, now all active users, but now is this permission-based? Uh, no, it, it, they're, they're, just, they're active users, so it's up to you how you mail to them. Now, what you can do is, you know, they're... they're by them being on Facebook, it is a global public commons. There, a lot of them list their email addresses. The data was acquired by trolling the site. You're you're free to send them something. They're free to click on it and join it if they want to. So offer them a gift to join your website. Make sure when they click the link back that they do subscribe through a double opt-in form and you're safe past that point. If anybody does unsubscribe, just honor their unsubscribe request. And as long as you follow the, the four points of the Can Spam Act, no one's going to bother you. So just make your name and address known at the bottom of the email, have an unsubscribe link, and honor any unsubscribe requests, and you'll get to go. Okay, Make okay. sure that your, your, return, your return back link has to subscribe into a double opt-in form so later on you can prove the date and time they signed up. Right. Then the reason why I ask that is because I know with the newsletter that I use for my database, you know, most yeah, this, the, the subscribe really you have to opt-in. Yeah, no, I, I know, uh, but the, the database I have is so much smaller. What I did with this one, sir, is I downloaded the entire Facebook to my hard drive. So I've got another 700 million sitting here for you after this batch. Okay, I, I got you. I'm with you. Okay. Well, well I'll tell you what that. I'm going to do. I'm going to ask you two to hold on for a moment while I break for a brief commercial, and I'll be right back. Okay. All right. Blog Talk Radio. If you don't have the keys on your Blog Talk Radio, then your Blog Talk Radio isn't really on. This portion of the keys 
Sports was brought to us by Rafika Consultants and Services, LLC. Rafika Consultants and Services, LLC is on the cutting edge of emerging technologies for designing online classes and providing face-to-face and virtual technology training or help with computer programs, web design, and graphic arts. We also provide biography writing services for websites. For more information, give us a call at 631-399-0149. That's 631-399-0149. Your hostess, Sister Rafika Muhammad. Well, we're back, and things are getting live on our airwaves here. And we'd like to thank our brother Hafiz for uh, giving us that tip on acquiring some new email addresses that may help Kevin uh, Ikem Dunn of Puzzles for Us. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you can have it for now it. you That's see, right. I took that slow this time, right? <laughs> right, I, I see, you know. Yes, yes, yes. I want to make sure that our listeners get the full and correct name for your uh, your puzzle book, and I'm just very excited for you and even more excited that you took time to talk to us today about your endeavors and giving advice to anyone listening to you who might be sitting around thinking about how they can get their book out, too. Um, now, we wanted to ask you also, what is your definition of success? Do you feel that you are at that point now of success? Um, partly, you know. Success, you know, for me means, you know, doing what you really enjoy doing and having others benefit from it. That's part of my definition. Like really just doing what I enjoy doing, you know, and having the pleasure of seeing others benefit from it. And being able to also to to earn a really decent living, like mm. following my passion, you know. So it's, it's those elements, you know, um, that makes up my definition for success. You know, because then in the you know when I get up and I start my day, I can start it you know more times than not with a smile on my face, looking forward to what the day brings. Mm. You know, we I'm not just like dragging through the day saying, "Wow, waiting for the day to end." You know, and then I get to, you know, really organize my day, you know, the way I want to. You know, so, Uh you know, having a lot of flexibility, you know, so all that for me is success, you know, just being able to do what I really enjoy doing. I love creating puzzles. I love telling the stories. You know, I love sharing information. I love finding out about things, like, you know, like going places, meeting people, like how I met you and, and Brother um, James, like recently, you know, it, I mean, that's one of the highlights. You know, mm-hmm. I'm always meeting amazing people, resourceful people, creative people, artistic people. You know, I tell folks, you know, we're doing some amazing stuff. It's not just the stuff that we did. You know, because a lot of times we hear about, like, like, like Black History Month is coming up. So we hear about George Washington Carver, and we hear about, like, you know, um, Louis Latimer with the light bulb and Benjamin Banneker and stuff like that. And all these folks were great in their own right. But, you know, there are folks that are doing some amazing stuff right now as we speak. You know, I mean, folks like Mark Dean, we all use computers, you know, but all of us may not be familiar with Mark Dean. He's a brilliant engineer with IBM, and he's one of the ones that made the, that helped make the computer, you know, what it is now, like a household item where you have, could actually sit and type with your keyboard and, and use a mouse or use a joystick for a game. You know, um, folks like Patricia Bat, 
you know, she's a um, an eye doctor. She invented this thing called a laser probe. You know, I mean, she's still alive now. You know, you could Google her. You know, she invented a laser probe. Where it's an amazing invention. It's restoring vision to people that had cataracts all over the world. Mm. You know, um, you know. So yeah. So I, I mean, you know, I love seeing those kind of stories, and then I love meeting people, everyday people, that's doing extraordinary stuff. You know, from well, artists to, to musicians. You. Yes. Um. Out of the, all of the puzzles that you've done, is there one puzzle or two puzzles that just, when you got the challenge to create this puzzle, that it just took you to areas that you didn't, could never dream that you'd be in? Or is it one that you just are so fond of and so passionate about? <laughs> you know, um, <laughs> yeah, I, I, I got some favorites, you know. Like, one, like, you know, actually one of my favorites, and I think it's, um, I have a puzzle called Tales from the Dark Side. Mm. And, you know, I don't know if you remember that there was a TV series called Tales from or was it a movie? I think Tales from the Dark Side. The Tales, guy, yes, Kadeem, absolutely. Yeah, yeah, um, it, was t- it was a TV yeah, Tales from the Dark Side. And then when it came on, it said, like, this is the dark side. And then you see, the, like, the, the dark, almost like a, a film negative. And then you see the bright side, you know. Um, yes. But I have a puzzle, like, in, in my newest book, The Piecing It Together. The one that was written for teenagers and older folks. There's a puzzle in there called Tales from the Dark Side, and what I talk about, I talk about um, street life. You know how, like, you know, like, kind of like, don't believe the hype. You know, it, it starts out by saying, like, you know, that, that, like, if jail was all that, then why is everybody in jail trying to get out? You know, because sometimes, you know, the way you know you hear like young cats, see young cats talk about jail. Yeah, like my homie just came out, like you know, and like, and so in in so many words, it's kind of like they glamorizing it, you know. But what, but but if jail was all that, why you know why is everybody in jail trying to get out? And the thing is, when you locked up and you are locked down, you can't go get a like a, a, a happy meal, or you can't go to your refrigerator and get get a snack when you want to. You can't kick back and turn on the the, the, the the NBA game when you want to. You can't play video games. You can't go hang in the mall, you know. So the puzzle tells the dark from the dark side. It's a kind of like, well, don't believe the hype. Like, when you strip away the glamour and the hype, there's a dark side behind these stories. When you see, like, homeboy, when you see, like, your homies hanging on the corner, you know, if street life was if, if street life was so glamorous and was you know, and they were getting paid so much, why is everybody hanging on the same corner <laughs> all the time? You know, you could leave out in the morning, come back later on, and they're still on that same they're corner. They're still there. <laughs> they're still there. Like, you know, so how glamorous can that be? You know, <laughs> you know, so it's kind of like stories like that, you know. Um, and then, like, you know, so why, like, a, a, a street life is like, you know, if they get paid so much, then why are they always trying to borrow money from you? And, like, <laughs> trying to hit you up for money, like, you know, if they're getting paid like that, you know. So I'm saying essentially that there's, you know, there's another side to these stories. So, like, you know, like, really pay attention, you know, then look at people. Look like what they got on, how they dress, you know. And sometimes you see, like, you know, like, like, Wow, those are the same kicks you had on like last year, and they look a little turned over there, like you know. And and, and so a lot of times it's, it's hype, you know. So the idea is that you know, say look, you know, kind of like read between the lines. So I mean, you know, so that's one of the ones that like sometimes when I'm looking through the book, you know, I kind of like chuckle when I see that puzzle because I have fun writing it, you know. Um, and there's some other puzzles like you know, um, the one on the home front about like inventions in the home. You know, mm. things like the water gun, the super soaker water gun, like mm. the egg beater, the fire you know escape. 
you just read my mind. I was going to ask you if you had a, a collection of uh, black inventors. Yes, it's in the book In Search of Yourself. Okay. One of the first puzzles in that book is called On the Home Front. Hmm. You know, so things like the fire escape, the ironing board, you know, of course, like the light bulb, you know, the filament in the light bulb, you know, um, yeah. I mean, things that we take for granted, like um, the pens, like the, a pen, mm-hmm. you know, you know, things, you know, that you, you wouldn't normally think of as being invented, you know. But, again, that goes back to the, the notion of slavery, that we were somebody else's property. So our intellectual property became their property. Mm. So if we came up with an idea for something, and we was owned by somebody, that invention of that idea didn't belong to us. And so a lot of times, you know, they just stole our idea, stole our invention. You mm. know, and, and I mean, in rare cases, we were able to take our patents, you know, but because, you know, we were, again, we didn't have no legal rights, then a lot of times it was illegal for us, like, you know, to, 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 to take out, like, any filing kind of legal document. I mean, so stuff like, you know, the 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 lecture lamp, the elevator, you know, the the hairbrush, ice cream, you know. And a story I like to tell when I do my workshop is like the potato chip. You know, I, you know, a couple of years ago I was doing some research, you know, and I found out that the potato chips, you know, everybody's favorite, you know, invented by, you know, he was part African-American, part Native American, a gentleman by the name of George Crumb, you know. And the, the way the story goes is that, like, you know, he was a chef in the restaurant, in the 1800s, and some a white patron came in, and I think ordered some home fries, and you know he ordered, I guess, in a, in a really disrespectful manner. So George Crumb, he said, okay, you know, he looked at him and he went back into the kitchen. He said, yeah, I got a trick for him. <laughs> and what he did, he went in there with the idea of trying to burn the potatoes. He, you know, so <laughs> he, he cut them up real fries. thin. Yeah, he tried to burn them. You know, he came back, you know, with these burnt, thin-looking like potatoes, and the guy ate them and liked them. And I, you know, asked for some more, you know, and so it caught on, and that's how, you know, the the potato chip, you know, came about, you know. So, but so, like I tell you, I said it wasn't like this guy George Crow was walking down the street and say, oh, I'm gonna invent the potato chip. Mm-hmm. I said no, nah, he was trying to get back at somebody, like you know, a guy that came into the restaurant was being really nasty, and so he was trying to like teach him a lesson, you know, and he ended up like coming with this thing that we now call a potato chip, you know. Um, Yes, I mean, you know, little stories like that that, you know, I find out. But, again, it goes back to the idea about, you know, the, the networking, the connecting. I mean, there's folks that's out here doing, like, a great deal of research. One of the people who who, who I admire their research is a woman named Jacqueline, Jacqueline Williams. She has a, a, a company called um, Filling in the Gaps, where, mm-hmm. I mean, you know, it's just awesome. Her website is Filling in the Gaps, so your listeners could go visit her website and she just has a lot of documentation about, you know, our history, our story, you know, stories that don't normally get told. You know, um, another person is the woman who I mentioned earlier, Leslie Giss, who has the Giss of Freedom. She has a, 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 a radio blog. She also has a website. Again, you can, face, you can friend these folks on Facebook. They have, you know, tons and tons of information, you know, um, stories that, you know, you don't normally see, that you don't normally hear about. And these are great resources, especially with Black History Month coming up. You That's know. right. That's right. Yeah, I mean, and it's just so much, you know. I mean, and I tell folks all the time, look, I don't walk around with all this information in my head. There's things that I know now. I didn't start out knowing these things, but then, you know, mm-hmm. because I have an avid interest in our history and our story, which I think is rich and colorful, you know, I'm always reading it. I'm always, like, you know, um, have an ear out for stuff. But so a lot of this stuff I'm still learning, you know. I mean, recently I learned about the, tic- the game Tic-Tac-Toe. 
I don't know if I was seeing it with you, but the game tic-tac-toe began began in ancient Egypt in Africa. You know, um, and this is not one of them things where you know where you know sometimes we we get a little carried away. We say, yeah, that began in Africa, or a black person did that. But, you know, I mean, we've done a lot, we've done a lot of stuff. You know, rightly so, we get excited, and sometimes we get a little bit. You know, we we go a little overboard with some things, but it, you know, it's not far fetched. You know, and there's a book called Africa Counts, and it's by a European woman, and in that book, she documents where the game tic tac toe. How in her research, she found that it began in ancient Egypt. You know, it was a game that was played by young children, ancient Egypt, over two thousand years ago in Africa. You know, um, so I mean, so this is a game that all young children, school children to this day still play and still enjoy. I mean, I still that's enjoy right. playing it. You know, that's but right. you know, we don't know. I mean, so that's part of the history, the stories that don't get told, and these are the kind of stuff I like to incorporate into the puzzle books. You know, no, Kevin. That, two things I think I'm taking away um, from our conversation today. One is that um, puzzles have been underused in the school system because I'm thinking back from when I was a child to when I became a teacher, and puzzles were used as busy work. Exactly. You know, it, I, it did. It did not. And, and punitive. Put exactly. you in the classroom, you know, where you that I don't know what they call it today, but that room, that the, the ISS yeah. in school suspension room, and they gave you a a photocopy. Puzzle, word exactly. find or crossword puzzle to do to keep you busy, but not to engage you and stimulate thought or teach. And I think after this conversation with you, I think uh, that should be re- reconsidered in the school system, and puzzles should be used as a teaching tool. And I agree, and, and it's a great educational resource. And actually, I was having a conversation with a principal at a high school. Here in New York, about a month ago, you know, he was, you know, kind enough to take me on a tour of his school. The, I, I, actually, I'll name the school. It's called the, the Third Group Marshall Academy here in New York. He's doing a fantastic job, amazing job. And one of the things, you know, I met him recently at, again at a, another event, and we were chatting, you know, and someone had said, well, he doesn't really like puzzles. But, you know, when I spoke to him, he said, you know, he said, no, it's not that I don't like puzzles. It's how some teachers use it. And mm-hmm. he would say exactly what you just said. He used. Mm-hmm. He said some teachers use it as a filler, yes. you know, as, as like for downtime, you know, or when you're acting out in class and you have to go to that room, you know, um, you know, because you don't know how to, you know, to kind of like conduct yourself. Then this is what they give you to pass the time. But he said no. He said I don't like that. So mm-hmm. we we was having a conversation about them you being used as a lesson plan and being incorporated into like you know whatever's going on in the classroom as part of the main, you know. Um, Teaching that's taking place, you know. Yeah. But some teachers, you know, are, are innovative and and already know how to do. Other tra- teachers need to be trained. I've done some training workshops showing teachers how to use the puzzles to engage youngsters, you know, to mm-hmm. have a dialogue, to have a conversation. So when that's you walk it. into the classroom, it's not look. I'm the teacher. I know everything. You're the student, and you're here to learn. No, we <laughs> have a conversation that you're bringing something to the table that I need to learn too. And in us having a conversation, we share information. I'm learning from you, and you're learning from me. And the puzzles are a great, you know, um, tool for that. They're a great resource to stimulate dialogue. You can have youngsters do reports, social studies reports. Yes. They could, they could do research. And one of the puzzle books, exactly. I have a, a puzzles for a junior book. In that book, I have a note for teachers and educators in the beginning, but I also have other activities besides the word search and word finds and beside the stories that they can do. These are suggested activities that they can have their students do. 
you know, um, one of the puzzles I in one of the puzzles I talk about the United States Constitution, and this is in the junior book for the elementary schools, how the U.S. Constitution was modeled on the the, the Iroquois Confederacy of Five Nations, you know, and the, one of the more activities that students can do is to do the research, to go online and learn about the, the Iroquois Five Confederacy Nation and mm-hmm. how they had the councils of the clear mind, that mm-hmm. the elders you know, formed up the government, formed the governing bodies of these nations. And the elders consisted of, consisted of men and women, you know, um, that were held, you know, that were held in high esteem because of their age and because of their experience and because of their maturities. These are the ones, you know, that, that were kind of like, you know, the wisdom keepers for the communities. These are the ones that, you know, were the arbitrators of disputes. And, and conflict within community, and they had like you know um, oral laws and oral traditions of how we resolve you know our issues, which became the groundwork and the, and the foundation for the U.S. Constitution. You know, um, so these are the kind of activities I suggest that teachers can do. So it's not just about the you know you passing and giving them a, a photocopy of a puzzle and to fill the time, you know, mm-hmm. but engaging them. You know, there's stories about the the door of no return as a figure of speech, and as an actual door that slave, enslaved Africans had to pass through in places like Ghana you know, right. um, and West Africa. This was the last door they went through before they were and, put on the slave ship. And, you know, let's let's add to, to what you just said by, and they knew that. They knew. The slaves exactly. knew. When they went through that door, they were never coming back. Exactly. They knew that. So, but, you know, I mean, uh, we're, we're, we're running close to the end of our time, but I want to I wanna put something out to um, our listening audience and to you. During the month of of, uh, what has been called Black History, February, I'd like to invite you to come back on. But what what I'm going to challenge you to do is to um, create a puzzle for the Keys 107 where we are going to look at those Africans during slavery who rebelled. Okay. And like Harriet Tubman and Nat Turner, those um, ones that we know and, and, and some that you're going to pull out of the history history um, his, history archives yeah. and bring them to the forefront and let's create some dialogue about about it. So what I, I'd like I'd be to happy do, to. what I'd like to do is to have you on when you create the puzzle. We can maybe have it available as a download. Um, our website should be up by then. Have it available okay. as a download and let people call in and generate conversation about finding the answers to that to that particular research question that you pose or the narrative. And let's do this as a collective solving of this puzzle on the air live here on the Keys 107. You know, I love I love that idea. That's a great idea. Thank you for that. And I, I love it, you know, because one of the things I do, I'm always putting up, Free puzzles on my website mm-hmm. that folks can do for free, and mm-hmm. so that, that's a great idea for a puzzle, an interactive one that we can do on the phone as we're talking, and have the conversation. We can do it together. I, I really, yes, yeah, so I definitely, I'm gonna get on that right away. Yes, and um, my engineer, um, brother James, he's usually the co-host, but today he's acting as the engineer. <laughs> I'm okay. surprised he didn't butt in with a question. But um, he's letting me know that we are going to purchase some of your books and donate them to a, a school. 
Okay, great. And we look great. forward Thank to doing so that, um, Kevin. We are, we're going to have this as a continuing relationship because history it never ends. It, all, it always grows. It always morphs into more conversation, more people. We're going to build a community, and maybe we can have this as a scheduled event. Yes, that would be great. I'll, I'll be happy. I mean, count me in. Oh, good, good I, I appreciate so. the work that you and Brother James are doing and the folks that, you know, that help you, you know, to bring this type of programming to us because we, we need it. You know, this is well, the Well, you know, when you talked about finding your passion, um, this is one of the things that I do because I just love doing it, and I, and I too, mm. love it because I get to talk to great people like you and bring them on and, and increase the listenership and the knowledge base of who gets to know you, and that's so special. That's such an honor to be able to do that. Right. Well, thank you. I appreciate it, too. And, and likewise, I mean, because now I can tell folks, I said, look, you need to tune in. You need to check out these folks. They're doing some wonderful work because, they, you know, that's my, you know, kind of like my, 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 my credo, my mission is to connect people to information resources. Yeah. That at the end of the day inspires them and enriches their lives. You know, so I'm definitely going to be seeing the word and spreading the word about what you and, and Brother James and the rest of the folks, you know, with you, that's part of your team, what you all doing. Great. Because well, people we appreciate need to know. that. We appreciate that, and we appreciate you. And if you can give out your contact information before we begin to wrap up, go ahead. Okay, great. Yes, folks that want to reach me, they could uh, go to my website. It's www.puzzlesforus.com. That's www.puzzlesforus.com. Or they could give us a call at 718-538-6102. And seven one eight five three eight six one zero two. They can friend me, friend me on Facebook. Um, is Facebook slash puzzlesforce.com. Uh, it's Facebook slash puzzlesforce.com. Or they can always email me at Kevin at puzzlesforce.com, and I'd be happy to get back to them. Okay, Kevin, and our listeners, hold the line for a moment, and we'd like to thank you for sharing your journey with the Keys 107 family, and talking to you has been my pleasure, and I hope your words and ideas offer a key that opens the doors of endless possibilities to anyone and everyone who is listening to us tonight. I'd like to thank our listening audience and thank Jason X for allowing us to use his song, I Do For Self, in our opening. I'd like to thank my co-host and my engineer tonight, Brother James, and J.R. Strong, and I'd like to thank our sponsors, Moon107.com, Rafika Consultants and Services, and the Fluffs Present the Alphabet, now available on Kindle for $9.99 and as a paperback on Amazon.com. This show has been reported, re- recorded for replay. Go to blogtalkradio.com slash the keys and download the Blog Talk Radio app for, on your smart device. Send your inquiries to the keys 107 at gmail.com and go to Facebook and find us there. Stay tuned for Black Reconstruction at 8 o'clock p.m. with Sister LaShawn and Malik Green. And then after that, True School brings on Curtis Blow. These are the breaks. Talking about the history of hip hop, how it became, how it began as an education tool. You've got to tune in to True School tonight at 9.30 Eastern Standard Time. This is Rafika. And I'd like to thank you once again. Engineer, take us home.
here on Blog Talk Radio. If you don't have the keys on your Blog Talk Radio, then your Blog Talk Radio isn't really on. My name is Bobby, and I've been living homeless on the streets of New York for years. And the only reason why I'm eating out of dumpsters and I'm living without my family is because I lost my keys. Listen to Keys 107 on Blog Talk Radio. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.